0: In the summer of 1966, Nat Young arrived in California for the World Contest, an 18-year-old Australian with a hell of a lot of confidence and a beat-up old surfboard he called Sam. In the waters off San Diego, Nat easily shut down all challengers to walk away with the world crown. Straight trim was out. Tack was in. The future of surfing has arrived, and out of Australia came the cry, "We're Tops Now. It was the truth. Since then, more so than any other surfing region, Australia has shaped and defined the sport. And like an older sibling reckoning with the talent of the younger one, America's relationship with the lucky country has been a journey. From arch rivals to our biggest crush, Australia has held our fascination like no other. From the Encyclopedia of Surfing, I'm Tyler Brewer in Brooklyn. And I'm the older sibling. Jamie Brewer in London. (laughs) This is the Sunday Joint, where we roll up Matt Warshaw's weekly newsletter for a deep inhale of surfing's past, present, and future. On this episode of the Sunday Joint, Jamie and I pay tribute to the special relationship between surfing superpower nations, Australia and America. We explore key cross pollinating moments, the competitive rivalry, and what makes this sibling relationship so impactful on modern surfing? Plus, Jamie and I go head to head with a new version of Snop My Bro. The Sunday joint is an adjacent podcast to the Encyclopedia of Surfing on the Surf Splendor Network. Don't
1: change
2: Well, <laughs> that was nice. I like your uh, addition there. That oh, yeah. A,
0: well, you know, I, yeah, that special... little... We... What?
2: Yeah, because that's it. We do have a special relationship, don't we? Well, we're siblings,
0: you know? I mean, I would say, I would say we're sibling nations. We're, we're birthed of England in, in, in many ways. Um and this was something I was thinking about, like, what are the differences with America and Australia? You know, and I think there are like some there are cultural differences which have, or or certain things that have shaped each country's trajectory, and and how they approach uh, things, in particular, surfing, actually. And uh, so, like, America is founded by pilgrims, Calvinists, really strict, crazy religious zealots, basically. <laughs> <laughs> who were who were so damn pure you know, <laughs> and uh you know australians were were convicts you know basically, <laughs> so it's like the the two kind of run parallel but kind of like alternate universes almost
2: yeah yeah what uh i like um do you i i'm inter- i mean do you think of yourself as an American first or when it comes to surfing yeah. or as an East Coaster first? Ooh,
0: ah, I've never really thought of that. Um, I guess I would probably identify, uh, depends on where I am. Right. It all depends on the relationship to who you're speaking to. If I'm with an Australian, I'm, I'm identifying as American first, um, but if I'm uh, talking to some people from the West Coast or somewhere around the country, uh, I would identify more with the East Coast than to them to give me that kind of you know separation. So I think it depends on who's asking. <laughs> um uh because I, I think of myself then as like a New York surfer, if you really want to kind of get get granular on that, um, as opposed to a US surfer. You know, because yeah, it's the
2: sub-sub-subgroups you know, almost. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, no, I know. And I know there's a lot of, you know, association and difference between them all. And we relate to each other in different ways. And I I guess it was because I was thinking like when, you know, we have such opinions on what we think about, about Australians and Australian surf culture. And I often wonder, you know, and I know Australians have strong or have had strong feelings about, of what American surf and American surf mm-hmm. culture is, but then I often wonder if they're more thinking of California surf culture rather than New York surf culture, Texas surf culture, you know, South think, Carolina surf culture. I think
0: in the past, yeah. I think in the past, for sure. Uh, in the last ten years, probably not as much. You know, I think uh, that that perception has changed because of uh, the democratization of surf media and social media and being able to see surfing everywhere now. And so you kind of get a more broader view of it uh, potentially. So, I mean, but I, I do, I feel like I'm, I'm, I I'm know what you're trying to touch on here, almost maybe uh, when it comes to like the patriotism, it feels like Americans never fully embrace that, that patriotic spirit that Aussies do. Like a lot of Aussies, like they'll go out, they have no problem. Like Aussie, 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 oi, 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 you know, like it is ingrained in them. There's a pride there where I feel like Americans are like kind of bashful with it. Or if we do show too much patriotism, it almost feels like too nationalistic maybe. And, and I don't know, like we're, there's a, there's some weird, weird thing with Americans and, and how we, we project ourselves. And we do have some American surfers who have been, you know, all out and out full on proud Americans, but I, on the whole, I feel like a lot of American surfers and particularly in the past and other certain time points have been kind of more bashful about it.
2: Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's, um, yeah, I've noticed it with other countries as well, you know, not just Australians, but Mm. there are certain uh, places around the world where it's, it's just a little bit, I don't know if the word is easier or it's you can lean into your patriotism a bit more and not have it be such a political thing. Yeah, you, you can be proud of your culture a bit more. Whereas because America is so
0: political and so involved everywhere that it's like hard to. I know for me traveling, you know, both of us are even traveling, like, where there are instances where you'd have to tell people you're Canadian or whatever because you, you know, because saying you're American is such a lightning rod in some places around the world.
2: Um, yeah, totally. Like, I know here, like, you know, like a Welsh person, you know, can, can be really proud of being Welsh and have a Welsh tattoo on their arm and stuff. But I feel like if I had an American flag, her or, or uncle Sam on my, <laughs> on my arm, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to, I want to talk
0: like, what I find interesting is the, there is a sibling relationship and uh, we're surfing with particularly America and Australia, right? Mm -hmm. and but it's like on some level it feels adversarial and and competitive uh but on the other it's like without each other like the advancements in surfing would never have happened you know and i and i i feel like going into this episode i wanted to really celebrate those cross-pollinating moments where each country kind of gave back to each other as opposed to you know, the, the Aki quote, you know, I want to stop the, now I want to get real and stop these American wankers and like, you know, we're <laughs> tops now. And there was like all this sort of animosity, friendly rivalry, you know, and and pride as well. Um, but it, it, you know, particularly when we were younger, it felt like there was a little bit more of that kind of tension, especially like kind of the eighties and, and even into the nineties when like Slater and all them took over. But
2: yeah, it was, it's interesting. Yeah. The, yeah, I feel like it was more of a thing in the 60s late 60s the not so much the 70s cuz yeah. Americans at least on the world stage with surfing it, it weren't as uh, much of a force and then again in the 80s it was a big thing, wasn't it? And and with yeah. the, the in the 80s you had what you just said Aki's comment <laughs> which <laughs> apparently he said that Derek Hine put him up to it, you know, and kind of <laughs> say, come on, just re- read what it says right
0: here. <laughs> well, it's, I, I actually, I, I took a little bit from Matt because he wrote a, a really fun thing about this with um, the, the quote. He goes, this quote had all the sincerity of Hulk Hogan ringside power challenge, but a lot of surfers on both sides took it as a real call to arms. And as a result was three years of nationalistic strut and squawk. But there was mostly bluster, and the only real lasting impact of Akalupo's quote was the turn internet was to turn the international surf, international surfing onto the useful new word wanker) <laughs>
2: I know. Now, I feel like America never really, I mean, okay, when I was still living in America, we didn't say wankers very often. Like here in in Britain, wanker is a really common term. Mm. And has that changed since I left? Do people now say wankers quite regularly? No, no one says wanker except for me.
0: Who okay. <laughs> you know, for, for all our listeners should know, like I just ever since we were young, like I've always been fascinated with Aussie surf culture and, and Aussie culture in, in general. So it's always yeah, like
2: freaking just love it. So Yeah, why? Yeah, that's I want to ask why what what is it about Australian surf culture that that you love so much? I
0: I don't know. I think part of it is like um kind of their, their kind of uh, the, the attitude, the bright-eyed, bushy-eyed uh, attitude. Um, many Australians would travel and explore and kind of uh, broke new ground for surfing and finding new places uh, to surf and, and kind of spreading the seed there. The, the humorous culture, you know, kind of like the slight irreverence to each other, the piss-taking, the, the humor, the lingo, the language, i mean god like i think i was primed because i was born you know and brought up at a certain time when america had a fascination with aussie culture too you know we you know we were texting back and forth and i sent you the video of the energizer with the uh, the australian wrestler that was in surfing a summer you know and he's like energizer You know, and then right in the mid eighties, yeah. Yeah, there was like this Jackson. whole kind of huge, you know, you had men at work and you had in excess and all these bands and
2: I Paul don't Hogan.
0: Know, Paul Hogan, well, Crocodile Dundee, like was a very influential film on me as a kid.
2: He's got a knife. That's a, that's a, knife. That's a knife.
0: You know, and uh,
2: were, were, were you transphobic as enough. well? You... <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I was watching that scene the other day. It could, it could come up as a bit racist there. <laughs> didn't age good, well. Didn't age well. No, uh, good night. Yeah, when you um, mentioned the. Uh, I mean, one thing, just to tell yeah. you know, one last thing about the 80s, which also brought it to a for a big rivalry. Was that, you know, the Australians had dominated competitive surfing for, for a, a whole decade at yeah. least. And then Tom Kern came along and just, you know, put an end to that when Frida Zamba is actually the, the women America. hadn't done the women hadn't the MDB, dominated some, pro yeah. surfing. That was an American thing, I suppose. Um, but as we we've talked about before, as far as the media coverage goes, it was so male dominated that it, it's funny like it was if you look at 80 surf magazines it was like oh you know the australians are so dominant americans blah, blah, blah. but it was actually the, the american yeah. women and the hawaiian women were all over Way that shit. but yeah it's a tom kern coming along and then also america losing the america's cup to us oh yes that was time. such a big deal you know um mm. but yeah that when you mentioned the traveling the yeah. travelers like I I I just want to share like my initial experience with Australian travelers, you know, backpackers. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, when when I went away for the first time, uh, you know, I went away just for three weeks, and I thought that was a really long trip. I remember going to South Africa and thinking, like, whoa, I'm going to the dark continent for three weeks. I remember telling people this and thinking. Like, oh my God, how, what am I going to do for three weeks? And then getting there and it's meeting people from Australia and other parts of the world as well, who'd just been traveling for months and months on end. And then also, what I started to notice was that myself and other Americans who would travel to far off exotic places would, you know, kind of look at it like it was this big romantic quest Mm -hmm. and that there was some sort of, um, Uh, Indiana Jones or something, and that it was this, you know, like a hero's journey of some sort. You'd go there, like, oh, you know, and I, I, it did something quite cool, perhaps, and went to a far off place, and then you'd get somewhere really off the beaten track, and you'd think this is heavy, and then you'd meet some guy who, you know, worked in the mines in Australia for six months, and so I could save up, and you come away for. For half a year, oh yeah, it was all right, and and they'd been living with the local villagers, you know, people, and and you'd be like, yeah, right, and they'd just be like, oh yeah, it's quite good, it's cheap, <laughs> eh, and and they'd just be like, oh, surf, mm. you got your son. <laughs> well, it's it's
0: funny, is like American travelers, we 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 tend to blow it up, you know, we blow up the the, the travel and romanticize it heavily, and you know, and exploit it too. I mean like Timmy Turner's second thoughts come to mind, you know, like incredible movie. Those guys did it pretty hardcore, but they weren't the first, but the way they filmed it, it feels like, Oh, look at this. Look at how hard it is for us. Whereas an Australian would be like, yeah, I've been here for like six months, mate. Didn't need a camera. Just wanted to be alone, you know? And like, it's, there's something modest about about the Aussie traveler, maybe? And that, cool. I mean, when you play yeah. shit down, that is cool. It is totally cool. And you know, when I met Australians traveling, like I, I almost to me they were like almost like uh, leprechauns or something. You know, it was like sorry. All <laughs> okay, explain friends.
2: yourself. Explain yourself. Why were <laughs> yeah, they? Because like I had read
0: so much about them as a kid. You know, you met. You read. Did it, you read these... a lot about
2: leprechauns when you? No, were no. <laughs> <laughs> but after I'm after yeah, I missed out on all that. <laughs> like Always when after when me when from the lucky charms. But, but when I went to bed, you know, like I didn't know they were telling you <laughs> Irish folk stories.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> reading all the Aussie mags as Gram and reading Waves and ASL and Surfing World and Tracks and you know and reading about in, in regular surf mags, and then you you obviously know all through surfing, but growing up pretty isolated in suburbia and Long Island, you didn't get to interact with a lot of people from other parts of the world until we started traveling. And I remember, you know, it's just something you read about. And so when you met an Australian traveling for the first time abroad, you know, when you're like 17, 18, you know, you're just like, everything is new. Every You're so green. You're so pumped on everything. And you meet this Australian, you're like, ah. Oh, Oh, where are you from, mate? And they're like, yeah. and then they they, they, they they were magically delicious. <laughs> but then I would meet them and they'd be like, oh, where are you from? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, from Wollongong. And I'm like, Robbie Page is from there. You know, <laughs> there's some obscure surfer who's from, you know, their village. and I expect them who, who don't even surf some of these travelers, you know, to know. But you read
2: all the surf mags.
0: Yeah. <laughs> total racky moment. So, uh here's a question, James. Do you count Hawaiian co- contribution into the American folder or you keep that separate? Because I, I think
2: yeah. Cuz there's I, there's
0: obviously it's a triangulation between Hawaii, America, you know, United States and Australia. I, I think when it comes difficult.
2: to surfing, you have to keep them separate um yeah. for so many reasons. Um it, I mean if you want to say the waves are completely different. If you grow up surfing Hawaiian waves, you have a vastly different experience than you would have growing up on the mainland. Yeah. Um, and the, there is a, a distinct Hawaiian culture, which is, I know its its it's a mixture of American culture over there now, but it's very distinctly Hawaiian. I mean, I think going to Hawaii, is almost just as different an experience as going to Australia. Yeah. Um. And 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 also because surfing is such a part of, uh, you know, Hawaiian culture, it's it's a separate thing. And also, you know, the, like, yeah, I th- I think it's it's different when it yeah. comes to that. Yeah, no, I was I
0: was just curious, like how we include that in the conversation. And it to me, it's more of a menage a trois of, of countries than, you know, we have a little triangle going. But um, what are what are you for you? I made a list. I don't know about you, but I made a list of like key uh, moments in U.S. Australian surf uh, history. Uh, did you did you create you mean, where the, where moments? they interact
2: and stuff yeah, like where that? Where they
0: where those moments led to huge progressions or changes in in one of of their cultures?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I can easily bring those up. All I right. mean the, I mean kind of the. It's interesting. Like when when Nat Young and Wayne Lynch you know when Nat Young won the 66 world titles in San Diego on the shorter board that you described so eloquently in the opening Sam, <laughs> and, uh, <magic> <laughs> um, and then also his the last scene in is the hot generation I think yeah. the first Witzig film yeah and then also then Wayne Lynch's photos of him on those crazy bottom turns the next year and then uh, in Evolution, Evolution and then Bob McTavish coming over to Hawaii with the shorter boards and the V bottoms i mean obviously that was a main thing which radic was like whoa and you know changed the whole surfboard industry but i think that it what's so interesting is that the same thing kind of happened about 10 years earlier in reverse
0: yes the, the 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 symmetry you know is is beautiful in in both uh I think just all throughout US-Australian surf history is like there's this gorgeous symmetry where one takes from the other and progresses forward and the other kind of gets stagnant and then vice versa kind of happens as well. Um, It's it's kind of cool. I love, uh, what is it? I think it's called ring theory or or something like that. They do it for Star Wars, you know, the the different trilogies. They're inverse rhymes almost, and it kind of goes in those rhyme patterns throughout history for surfing. I think.
2: Oh, what's the uh, what's the Star Wars one? <laughs> so
0: so like, there's there's this symmetry, and that is now are a Star Wars podcast, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah the, the concept with George Lucas when he made the the tri- the original trilogy and then the prequel was like the prequel the first episode mirrors the first episode of of the second uh sequel series or the the main one but there's this inverted kind of uh parallel to to the other sequel trilo- the other trilogies you know timeline so it kind of is an invert inversion of so the prequel is the inversion of the original trilogy. And then the, the sequel trilogy is kind of the inversion of that, actually. And there are these rhyming elements through each
2: episode. Although oh, rhyme- Like in, in episode one, the Republic is in charge, but then the, the, the baddies, the dark side kind of rises. <laughs> kind and in of, episode yeah. four, the Empire is in charge, but then slowly starts to come up. Archaic. Exactly.
0: You know, there's this so- inversion. And I think that kind of goes for <laughs> surfing too, though, right? Like there's... You know the 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 Californians came down for 1956, uh, was it? Yeah, 1956 Olympics and well, or yeah, 1956 for the Summer Olympics in Melbourne, uh, Australia was hosted, and uh, they came down and brought the Malibu chipboards.
2: Yeah, that's like the um. I mean, this was going to be a stump question. I mean, oh. you'll probably get it, but. Uh, just it might help me uh, help get the set the scene right here, because I've got the notes right here nice and succinct. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 1956, like you said, Australia hosted the Summer Olympics in Melbourne. And then they uh the Surf Lifesaving Association down in Australia wanted, you know, like the host country gets to choose like a a, a demonstration sport. Yeah. yeah. And they they wanted surfing uh surf lifesaving to be it, but it ended up being Australian was football, I think and um but still what they what they as like a compromise they said okay you can still have we'll have this thing called the surf life-saving uh carnival this the international surf carnival where uh, several different countries can send their lifeguards who do rescues in the surf Mm -hmm. and you know america sent a group down and when they came they yeah they came (laughs) off the thing you know with their uh surfboards and they weren't like normal paddle boards and the australians were like well i want one of these mate and uh they laughed at him but obviously as soon as they hit the water they they were ripping you know they were they were they were surfing like wayne lynch was surfing well ir- ir- relatively, like they were doing turns yeah. cutbacks Going breaking a straight the line yeah and tom zahn as well like you don't think of mm-hmm. tom zahn and greg knoll as being uh high performance small wave surfers, but they were at that point. I so we got to set the stage here, though, because oh, can I just say that it's yeah. not really a stump anymore because no. you know. But w- what? Why did okay? It, I'm, I'm just flipping a bit. Why the Australians really loved Greg Knoll. Yeah. Oh, because he would get hammered with them, and and he he was
0: had had his way with the ladies apparently, and like he showed up like. To, like, team meeting with, like, the Aussie uh, badge passed on to his uh, national jacket or whatever.
2: <laughs> Apparently, what, he got... Okay, how many <laughs> in a 24-hour span? How oh. many women did he... <laughs> I don't know that one. I, I might have glanced through that one. <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, I'm going to give you the maths. He, he Basically almost one every four hours <laughs> <laughs> good on you mate <laughs> okay. so yeah that yeah those were two big big uh big parts in australian american cross-pollination and interaction
0: so i've got like this timeline here right duke brings surf surfing to australia that's like huge right there uh, and i know yeah, it's hawaiian, hawaiian. <laughs> i know but it's still you know like he was part of the u.s swim team so kind of went there on u.s dime a little bit so it might have helped i don't know um but you know and then you know first fee- you know first woman surfer i'm sure phyllis o'donnell and and then uh he takes her surfing but which is re- no i'm sorry isabel latham sorry isabel latham he took surfing which was really I
2: cool did phyllis o'donnell i think she went out with no I, did she go out with um midget fairly or this there's, there's, there's a picture of the two of them cuddling mm. up in somewhere <laughs> but she was like a really she was a really good surfer but in that time <laughs> period
0: between duke's visit and the malibu chipboard visit you know australians kind of adopted the surfboard just for life-saving and they were just you know kind of going straight in not really riding them the waves were kind of difficult there to be riding those longer boards too so you know they were just going straight to the beach and then all of a sudden you imagine like these these americans come with these weird looking boards and all of a sudden
2: start going across the face like that would totally blow your mind <laughs> now if you had to like it's so you know we talked about the really early time yeah. you described when duke honomoka came over and um it was uh, uh, Isabel Latham, I think was yeah. her name. Yeah. And oh, what's, I say some, um, ah, Phil Jarrett wrote a good article a few years back about her experience meeting the Duke. And it's, I think it's a bit saucy. I read it years yeah. ago. It's it's worth checking out. And on um, Nat Young's Australian uh, History of Surf, History of Australian Surfing film, he interviews her. The, book here. the film, he interviews her and yeah you know, she talks a bit what it was like and everything it, it was really cool <laughs> it's worth checking out and then you, you know we describe the 50s and they came over and we talk about the 6 late 60s and the 80s i mean if you had like a time machine yeah to go back to like an era in australian surfing yeah i mean what what part would you want to be there for oh
0: gosh i mean it's the morning of the earth country soul uh, wouldn't that okay. be like one of the best times to be up in Byron hanging out with like Metavish and Batty and, you know, Nat and everyone up there and just surfing like perfect point breaks in country and eating raw cauliflower. Well, that's I was going to say. <laughs> if you watch the film, it looks like they
2: had to survive on rabbit food,
0: you know. <laughs> that was the whole thing. They were into that or they wanted to, you know. That would be like probably one of the best um yeah i mean uh, that or the eighty early 80s like probably like 81 82 australia would be kind of dope because why like is australia. that i feel like australia coming into its own around that time you had bob hawk who was in power there was like big cultural nationalism going on but there was like the music was cool uh in australia the waves were still pumping some spots were crowded but still you could still find some uncrowded waves. Boards were good, good around that time. You can do somewhat progressive surfing. Yeah, it just seemed like a pretty interesting time competitively. Competitive surfing was taken off. So it was like, yeah, like a fertile, fertile time period.
2: Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, when you read um Bill Finnegan's book, you know, like he he was there <laughs> at the end of the 70s and it just sounded so cool. And um I met that guy Jeremy Wilson from New Zealand. Who he said he'd lived on the Gold Coast at that time, and he just said it was heaven. It was just, <laughs> just heaven. It's just the the partying and the waves and the it just you know everything was just yeah it was cool and and blazing boards just you know yeah. like I feel like it's it's it's, it's in the, our DNA. It's the celluloid uh, thing, and and what um if you had to take part, like what, what, in what in part is the most interesting, you know, you were talking about like historical moments and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where there was the cross pollination. I mean, what, what do you think is the most interesting?
0: Oh, like, well, it's totally, I think for me, George Greeno moves to Australia and the, the chain of events that that sets off. That's like one of the coolest because Greeno here, we have George Greeno, uh, you know, uh, He's a trust funder, but he uses his time by focusing on developing surfing and, you know, developing his fins. And he was so far ahead of everyone. He was so eccentric and uh, so futuristic, but also very natural and kind of, you know, the influence that he had when he went to Australia. Like he was in California, you know, and people saw what he was doing, but no one was really taking to it. Got to Australia, you know, and and it you know, visit on and off, you know, every year from like 1964, 19, but it was 1966 where he really connected with Tavish, uh, Bob McTavish, and they started hanging out a lot. And that's where Bob started seeing the fins that, that Greeno was using the flex fins. And, you know, Greeno had already developed like the flex board, you know, and they're watching him turn and do all this crazy stuff that was so futuristic, like watching Greeno, surf in mid 60s like is crazy uh you know just how far advanced he was and these guys saw that and mctavish seeing that and then nazis and that's what they want to start doing is turning was it was all about turning and not nose riding you know and and and, and and
2: it's it's so interesting because he was so unappreciated in america yeah george greeno you know but they they saw it and they just really ate it all up and you know, it really reminds me of when when you hear about like the British rock bands in the 60s, you know, how the blues were so yes. un- unappreciated in America. But then the British, you know, like really ate it all up and they made into something really big. And then they're like, no, oh, it's not us, it's it's the the black bluesmen of America. And there's kind of the same thing, like, you don't know who George Greeno is, you know, like <laughs> he's the god. And and he, we've taken it and made it into this brand new rock music. Like, that could be a, 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 like, that could almost be a real proper theatrical
0: movie with, you know, like, with a proper story and everything, that whole period, because, or a, or a series on Netflix. Or a cool documentary. Yeah, but a series on Netflix would be oh, okay. cool, too, you know? <laughs> but George going there and just seeing him form his relationship with McTavish and, and you know, and hanging up and, you know, just kind of surfing incredible right-hand point breaks and developing the boards. And then McTavish makes, you know, the V bottom, which changes everything. And they're just hacking down boards, you know, and Nat comes in to discover McTavish had hacked, you know, comes in and sees all these boards sub nine feet being like, why haven't you told me about this yet? You know, and it, and then le- that culminating though, like it, you have then the fantastic plastic machine you know, when they come down, the Californians come down to Australia and they see how surfing's changed. In the film. The film, exactly. You know, and they're just like, oh, my God, this is – it totally changed surfing and changed everyone's attitude. Um, and then it was the hot generation that that, like, really cemented it in many ways. Like, that's what really got everyone chopping their boards down. But it took a while for America to even catch on. The Australians were so far ahead on that. And then the the meeting with Dick Brewer and McTavish is awesome too in Honolulu Bay. That is like that has to be one
2: of the most important meetings, I think. Yeah, and how they um, it ended up like Dick Brewer was is famous for being just a genius when it comes to taking different ideas and making them into something beautiful. You know, kind of and him taking the the mini guns that they were already making, the semi guns in Hawaii, the more teardroppy kind of boards, and then the short boards of the Australians, and then make it into the next step right there. Um, And also, I love that story where uh, Reno, Abelira, and Jerry Lopez go over to Maui to get the boards made and Reno gets his and it's like a nice you know 9 footer or something like that perfect perfect brewer just a beautiful brewer and then Jerry's waiting for his board but like you said you know Dick and uh Bob go have their discussion and then he comes back and he takes Lopez's blank and he just saws off like a whole foot off and he's like that's the board you're getting and Reno is like <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jerry's like,
2: fuck I love it. But it ended up being like the board, and he said you know he lent it to all you know everyone on the North Shore when he got back, everyone had to go and surfing that board. It was like the 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 Daryl and the girlfriend board we were describing uh recently, um that everyone had. Yeah, it's interesting, the Australians, you know, when you like. Uh, talking about them being open-minded to to change at that time, and mm-hmm. also this is interesting, and and how it it kind of defines who Americans are and who Australians are. You know, in the seventies, when you were describing, especially the early mid seventies, when mm-hmm. the Australia they said you know like the Australians had their sixties in the seventies. You know, like yeah. it got got real hippie and back to nature in the in the early seventies. But they also, unlike the Americans, they kept competing. Like they still entered contests, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like a a bad thing to still enter contests. Whereas in America, it was like, dude, man, get rid of your contest trip, man. You know, so there was um, in the EOS, you know, in the the
0: history of surfing, you know, section, uh, you know, and you're, I'm reading the, the, through the history and. Um, you know, there's this interesting piece how or about uh going soul or soul surfing, you know, and how in Australia, you know, if you were you, you could this whole country soul movement came about and it was real positive and really upbeat and you know, kind of health, healthy and spiritual. Whereas American kind of soul in the 70s, soul surfing kind of went dark and was like. You know, black wetsuits, whiteboards, uh, localism, you know, don't do contests, contests are bad. Like it, it kind of went really negative and dark where instead of that kind of hippie kind of upbeat vibe that you got in, in Australia, you know, and I wonder what that speaks to us as a society and, and people
2: maybe. Well, when you said at the beginning how we're descendants from Puritans, mm-hmm. you know, and they're des- descendants from... Um, Convicts, you know, like a Puritan is going to just be so dogmatic about things, whereas, uh, you know, criminals a bit more open minded. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're more flexible with the rules, Uh, you know? Yeah, you
1: know. (laughs) I could just
2: see
0: the comments we're going to get from all Australians. We're not (laughs) all. (laughs) We know. We're just having fun. We're taking the piss, mate.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, that's it, you know, like we. I love the piss
0: take, you know?
2: it definitely sounds like we're starting to, you know, um solidify a little bit of a picture of who or what a typical Australian is. Um you know, like you know, irreverent, um you know, the kind of against the the toll puppy syndrome, you know, yes, you, it's not a big thing to stick out. And that that's not just Australia, that comes from here. You know, here in England it's it's so similar. Like you know, among my friends, you don't you don't brag about how well you're doing or how good you're doing. That's <laughs> not cool. It's, it's, it's all about just, you know, you know, kind of like being one of the gang. It's it's a bit more like that. Um, but and also, you know, like we we're just saying with the pure, the the seriousness and the earnestness of America Kins, um and, and actually it's not always a bad thing. No. You, know, you can accomplish a lot if you're serious and earnest and you take things seriously. And I remember um, in the nineties, you know, people were complaining about people in Australia, it, some of the older surfers were complaining that Australians didn't really care so much about uh, surf history as much as the Americans were. The Americans were more reverent yeah. about their, yeah. their old surf heroes, whereas in Australia, it was just like, oh, you know, what it, but there are anom- anomalies, aren't there, you know? <laughs> and who, yeah. like, uh, what anomalies, you know, can you can you think of with, I mean, you mentioned anom- uh,
0: Australian no- anomalies? Yeah, who oh, Ian Cairns.
2: Okay. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, tell he thinks us about nothing Ian of Karens. talking
0: about himself and 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 his, you know, how great his accomplishments were. He I mean, mm. like, I would say like the bronze Aussies in general were kind of like they're they were anomalies, especially Peter Town and Ian Cairns. Here are here's another cross-pollinate. Here are two cross-pollinators. Oh, that's a big one. Yes. You know, those two. Busting down the door, competitive, you know, really injected that high performance surfing in larger waves. So that's one give back of the Australians to surf culture and American surfing. But then they gave us the ASP World Tour they brought on with man-on-man surfing. They didn't invent it. That's Peter Droon, who also gets credit for that pollination. But they brought it into mainstream competitive and made it the, the, the main format Uh, They created the priority buoy, got rid of all that. But then here's the real kicker. They start the NSSA and they're they're traitors to their country, move to America, and then raise Tommy Kern, who comes back to break the Aussie dominance of the the world tour. And Chris Frohoff. And Chris Frohoff. But Kern is like, you know, the golden (laughs) child, who then in turn influences Kelly Slater, who then is like, you know, he paves the door for, paves the way for Slater, you know, it's like really fascinating that, that kind of twist in the history, you know, and I'm curious, like I, because I'm not Australian, I don't know. I'm curious. And if listeners would love to comment on this, you know, what do you think of PT and Ian Cairns and and what they did for like American competitive surfing? You know, it was a, do you look at them as a trader? Do you look at them as like, you know, people who, Turn their back on your country or do you look at them as patriots who just were doing a good thing i'm curious
2: yeah i remember reading about from peter Townen's point of view, i think it was definitely i think it was a job opportunity that had come up i think yeah um i forgot there um and it's very interesting what you said about the bronze dawseys. How that was almost un-Australian in a yeah. way, like what they were doing. Although Pete Townend always had like a real sense of humor about yeah, it. Like yeah. he took it seriously, but he also thought it was quite
0: funny. But but not uh, not Ian Cairns. He took it seriously. He did
2: take it seriously. <laughs> so
0: seriously, he wrote two books about him, his life. Yeah, his book, his life had to be put into two books. <laughs> Have you read them? No, but I'm just I. I like I'm sorry. Like George Washington didn't even have two books, you
2: know, in his biography. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh. But yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's a bit of an anomaly. I mean, I always thought that, like, I, and the thing is, when I say anomalies, it's just going against certain stereotypes or preconceived no I mean, mm-hmm. Andrew, we we talk about being irreverent, yeah. And Andrew Kidman is irreverent, but also very earnest as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Incredibly earnest and taking things very seriously. Um and, and as a result, his his uh, created a lot of positive change. You know, you, I, you have to be that way.
0: Well, I had for one of my cross-pollinating moments also was um, and this would be almost like you could even make a longer connection, but like it Derek Hind plus Tom Curran plus Sonny Miller plus Andrew Kidman, that kind of collective there. And I would even make, I would reach further back and say Skip Fry because of the fish. Mm -hmm. But that connection there, that cross pollination had such an impact on modern surfing in the last 20, 30 years, Uh, you know, and everything we ride. Even though at the time, you know, Andrew Kidman, when he made Litmus, the whole surf industry told him to fuck off. You know, he got, you know, lost here, like, oh, you'll never work again, mate. You know they all saw it as an affront to what they were doing the whole whole culture at the time or the the industry at the time, competitive industry and and the magazines i mean he was he was bagging bagging you know groceries uh, after that, you know, and he went from editing waves. It was pretty interesting, actually, like his earnestness kind of rubbed people the wrong way in Australia mm. whereas yeah. Americans fucking, like, loved litmus, and we, like, devoured it, I think, you know, and appreciated it, and whereas I think it was panned in Australia originally.
2: Yeah, th- yeah that's true. Yeah, no, it, it like, dev- got a second life in America, you know, because Americans were very into that. I mean, the thing is, maybe w- when it comes to surfboards, Americans perhaps in the, ah, so in, yeah. in the late 60s, early 70s, the Australians perhaps were... More open to taking on the shorter high-performance boards because the waves were good for that. You know, like in Australia, you've got power on tap, mm-hmm. whereas um, in in America in the in the late '90s and in the turn of the century, we were so up for uh, some fish yeah. <laughs> and and mids and everything like that because that was so much easier to surf than the high-performance surfboards. But I remember traveling in the late '90s and having that hybrid surfboard yeah you know, the, your patagonia the patagonia rocket, rocket sled, sled. Uh, and meeting australians and them saying oh what are you gonna say why you know you can't surf these waves on that type of board you know like what are you doing and i think it was because yeah they didn't need you know those type of boards for their waves well it, it, it's a, again
0: that that design influence then kind of goes back onto them you know mm-hmm. it's uh and also you know i mean there, there was also that interesting time period of like, you know, the potato chips and, you know, the elf rocker boards, you know, where you had Rusty and you had freaking Greg Weber doing the extreme rocker Banana boards, yeah. yeah. And concave, which influenced every shape around the world. You know, everyone started putting deep concaves into the boards and doing big rockers, maybe not banana rockers, but still like flip tip Flip tip nose rockers were the trend, you know, Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting like the, uh, how the the Australians kind of got real dogmatic about their boards or got really closed off on what they would ride. Um, Whereas the Americans then kind of that thrived in, and now that's kind of going back over there and Australians are starting to ride mid lengths more and starting to ride, they're riding fishes and other boards and Torn Martin is. Yeah. It's,
2: it's all, yeah, it's, now it's, it's, it feels like, it feels like now there's a, a, a bit less of a, def- I don't know, is it cause we're older or something? I don't know, but it feels like less defined, less defined differences between Australians and Americans. Social media,
0: internet, social media has mixed it. It was like if you had two cups and you'd pour one cup and then you pour into there, it's now just shaking it up instead altogether.
2: Oh, it's a shame this is not yeah. like a video podcast, you know, that was the <laughs> world needs to see your mixology, I think. <laughs> I right, mean, another, I mean, when we're talking about cross-pollination and humor and stuff and anomalies, yes. um, you know, I was, I was thinking about the difference between the surf media. I think that's a yeah. real fascinating one. And, but, but first, like with, with surf films, mm-hmm. Um, did did you ever read in the Surface Journal when when John Witzig came out with the reissues of his three his trilogy, you know, Hot Generation yeah. and um, Evolution and Sea of Joy? Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Warshaw did a a big article, you know, reviewing it. Did yeah. you read that? A yeah, long
0: time ago, and I yeah, think it was something like he fell asleep halfway through it or something. Oh, well, that was Wayne no, Lynch. That Wayne said Lynch that. Said, Wayne said that. Lynch yeah, said sorry.
2: That. But he, you know, he really, he really analyzed it really thoroughly. It was a real juicy read, actually. Mm. Um, but then, when John Witzig read what he had written about it, he was he responded in the back of the same issue, um, you know, said that you know, in defense, like he, I think Matt pointed out how the films were great at documenting real change. And that's what was important, but they weren't Mm -hmm. cinematic masterpieces compared to like five summer stories um, or the end of the summer at the time. Or morning Um, of
0: the earth even.
2: Yeah. Or morning of the earth even. But then John Witzig really wrote very eloquently and articulately about how the Australians always at the time viewed the Americans as being so slick and overproduced. And whereas they were more about, there was deliberately more raw and real mm-hmm. and gritty and punk rock in a way. Um, and so it's interesting comparing the surf films that way. And then I started to think about uh, when it comes to humor in the films, like which, which was the, um, ah, oh God, this is really bad but okay who who made momentum Tyler so oh, Taylor's Taylor Taylor said, Steel. Taylor, Steel. Taylor, Taylor
0: Swift you were gonna say Taylor Swift weren't you
2: <laughs> no I, I for some reason the, the name completely eluded me because it's so ubiquitous brain far so legendary um but which film was it where they um you know made all the the comedy sketches and I mean I guess you did well, it in a lot of the films
0: was you it? know the 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 show was the, the show. like the big one where he like really produced, like did the really nicely produced skits, you know, where they he invested money in everything. Yeah. That yeah.
2: Was, and they were funny and they were really ent- yeah. entertaining and stuff. But then, you know, when we recently, you know, saw, um, you know, Free Scrubber and uh, Postcards from Morgue, you know, mm-hmm. by uh, by Vaughn Rip- Blakey, you know, like just got that. And we were, we were talking about how it has that real kind of, australian sense of humor and quirkiness and how it wasn't like about these individual skits it was just like silly throughout in this weird way and i was saying oh yeah it really reminds me of the australian movies like bunyip dreaming and uh (laughs) so like that and then i'm like hang on a second and and i was thinking and like kong's island yeah all those australian jack mccoy jack mccoy (laughs) (laughs) Ah, but, and what is Jack McCoy? Where does, what is he? But he's lived
0: in Australia since, you know, the seventies, you know? Yes. And before
2: that, what was he?
0: He was Hawaiian.
2: Right. Was he Hawaiian? Do you think of Jack McCoy as being Hawaiian or American? Like.
0: I think of him. I think of him as a Hawaiian, I guess. Kind of not Hawaiian Hawaiian, but Hapa Hapa Hawaiian, you know, Mm. Hapa Kind of but uh citizen of the world citizen of the world but the the, the humor aussie humor i mean like i don't know if you ever oh, seen yeah. the movie the castle but no, it's I've like, never heard of it oh it's like one of my favorite movies and it's a real iconic aussie movie and it really gives you that aussie kind of humor where it's like a little zany a little silly a little dry um you know it's got a wonderful mix to it and it's 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 poking fun at itself. It's a little ridiculous, but i, I it's a great movie. And yeah, there's so many good little lines in there, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, tell him he's dreaming. <laughs> and like, oh, uh, people, uh, Aussies who are listening who know the castle will get that reference. Um, yeah, I mean, the
2: Australian humor, there was one issue of Surfer a long time ago where they were, comp- the, I, I don't know who was writing it, maybe DC Green or something. Mm-hmm. He was comparing American humor versus Australian humor he said like American humor is like weird and wacky and st- stuff like that whereas like Australian humor is like you describe you know it's ironic and just and 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 rude you know yeah, like rude kind of dry too way. you know and raunchy and like how uh and and how the Americans take everything so seriously like he he said he'd gone on a surf trip somewhere and there was an American guy who was telling <laughs> telling all the people listening that he he drank his own cum and <laughs> and the the Americans were nodding along like oh yes tell us about the properties where's the Australians for the rest of the week called him like Sid the cum guzzling Yank you know <laughs> or, well a, my well, the, the my term favorite. of
0: endearment in Australia is lovely you know yeah but and when you get and, the, the piss taken out of you you know <laughs> they love you you know or they and like I you at
2: least. I love I mean, I think one anecdote really sums up the whole thing. Like, you know, the story when um, it, maybe it was the Surfer Paul Award when Kelly Slater was up on stage. And McFanning and came up. McFanning drunk. came up and started the harassing genie-ing. him. Yeah, drunk <laughs> McFanning started harassing him. And, and then Slater said, you know, what would ha- this, you know, you're here in America really, you know, kind of ruining the event. How would what would happen to me in Australia if I came up on stage and did this? And what did he say? So, I you know get it get laid. And it was just, and that's just, <laughs> that's the sense. You know, it's just like, you, you know, like, let's not take this so seriously, you know, like, and think on your feet as well. Like, that's what I would, couldn't imagine, you know, like meeting Australians and, and British actually as well, you know, like just the way they could think on their feet and just, Nothing could phase them, you know, and, and I thought that was brilliant. Really <laughs> um, yeah,
0: that like, and I think one of the other things is surf travel and tourism, the explosion of surf travel and tourism has only, um, advanced the influence of Australian culture on the world, actually. I mean, how many fucking Americans now say no worries? Because I say that all the time. And, mm. You know, and you, these Aussie isms and little things that have pervaded. Like, and then when you travel, like, it's no matter where you are, anywhere you go, there will be an Australian there. You could be in the most remote freaking place and there'll be an
2: Australian there. You ever notice that, by the way? Well, this is what I was wondering. I mean, I'm saying, yeah, 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 but this is 20 years ago. Like I haven't gone on serious surf travel. Uh, True. But I imagine it hasn't changed much because I see them coming through New York
0: all the time. And, (laughs) you know, but, uh, but on top of that, you know, lots of friends who are Australians who I, you know, I'm in the know a little bit, but I just remember like, I mean, I went to a surf spot in, in Sumatra. Someone drew on a map for me. You know like drew on a napkin how to get there like that's like i someone drew it on a napkin i went to this spot i didn't know where i was showing up i show up in this town after three days of traveling overland you know and get get to this and, and you i
2: remember you made the little film about it and you were filming yourself yeah. and it was like you were it sounded like you were going in into syria or something like that yeah. like really heavy shit now it felt heavy for me it's me it's me being
0: very american and dramatic about it overly dramatic that's the thing americans are overly dramatic i think many of us uh and was probably being overly dramatic but i show up in the middle of the jungle i don't know where i am i just get dropped off by some random people in a truck and who's there? It's a father and son from Queensland, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, mate, how you going? Oh, you know, we well, just having uh brisket and coconut mashed potatoes come and join us, you know, and you're like,
2: what? <laughs> uh, no, really like, you had to really readjust and to, to this new reality and that we weren't like these swashbuckling, uh, <laughs> Oh, God. People that we thought we were, you know.
0: (laughs) It's very humbling meeting Australians. And then you're like, I want to do it like that, you know, and and get it, go to London, get on the pound, save up money, and then keep traveling and then come back to London get on the, you know, that was like during my 20s. That's what I thought about. I wanted to be like an Australian, you know. So you could come
2: back to America and brag about it. (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well what okay so you know we've started to talk about what aspects of american we have in ourselves i suppose yeah. what what are we proud about of being american oh there's lots i mean the board design lots of board design
0: stuff have happened uh you know the fish is something to be quite proud of in surfing we you know thank you stevie liz uh
2: what we, about the like being american you know like uh I'm like the real American
0: <laughs> fight. That'd be interesting, right. one. Yeah, a think. Every- I'm singing Hulk Hogan's song, by the way, <laughs> from the. Um, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, we, we, I, we. I'm sure we have lots of things to be proud of. <laughs> we're we're definitely self-loathing in some ways. There's definitely. For those of us who who've who traveled maybe even you you kind of sometimes feel this, you know, because of the US's position in the world, um which I think we touched on a little earlier. Just those things make it kind of difficult sometimes to celebrate for some of us. Not everyone, you know, some people are blindfully or happily like, fuck it, America first, you know, um, which you know is whatever. But uh, you know, for for those of us who've who've spent a lot of time abroad and and um seeing some of the effects of certain American colonial, uh, you know, powers have done and, and, and policies have done. It's hard to totally be like, yeah, you know, uh, it's tough to tough tough to puff your chest out and be, be kind of like I'm American, even though I'm quite proud to be American and I love being from here and love our freedom. I love a lot of the, the creativity in this country and all the incredible things we've, we
2: have contributed to the world. Um, you know, everything yeah, can... I think that's a big point is that because you don't have to play it down, you can you're allowed to be super enthusiastic and and keen on things in America yeah. in a way that you might not be um as comfortable doing. Exactly. Well, you are
0: encouraged here a lot of times to 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 reach for the stars, as they said when we were young and like other things like that, where it's like you said, the tall poppy syndrome was a big thing in Australian culture to knock someone down if they started getting too big of a head, uh, and started getting too cocky. And whereas America, it's like we just let them run loose. You know, we don't smack anyone down. Most, the, the total. Yeah, opposite. and we can, and we
2: can be like like our podcast. We could be super geeky. You know, that's that's a American. You know, like it just we like yeah, so yeah, get excited <laughs> uh, about things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: i i good on I, us <laughs> um here's one thing american is america has contributed heirs to surfing thank you christian fletcher matt keckley kevin reed
1: mm.
0: you know definitely, uh, definitely. that that is, that's definitely something um toe in surfing maybe laird hamilton but that's kind of hawaiian i guess
2: yeah I and, and there is that? a certain herbie uh, fletcher actually you give
0: him credit with toe in surfing
2: oh yeah and like um yeah, and, and that's, yeah, the audaciousness of Americans. I mean, Herbie Fletcher is is super audacious, you know, and well, his whole family, and it's, it's brilliant, you know. Like, it's, yeah, when you listen to him talk or Christian talk, you know, they're definitely American, and fucking oath, mate. You know, yeah. like, good on them, <laughs> you know. Like, it's <laughs> so interesting, you know. You can, you know, play them, and it's it's great to hear them, actually. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah should we take a little uh, uh, uh it's it's gonna be too uh, maybe too easy uh to do a little bit of uh all right g- give me the translation give me the translation of a couple of these words
0: oh okay <laughs> let's let's do some Aussie slang
2: translation here we go <laughs> what's oh. your do you do you have a favorite you you love you got a few Good ones, don't you? A few well, I love saying, how's your pie? How's your Here's pie? Your pie. <laughs> right. Is that okay? So let me see if I can work that out. So how's yeah. your, how is your pie? Does this mean um, like your pie <laughs> is your face? Is your face your pie? And if, how is your pie? mean, how is it going? Is that what it means? Well, I, uh, to be honest, like it's from a
0: surf movie in the 90s called How's Your Pie? It came in like waves, I think, as a free DVD or VHS. <laughs> and and then it was like you – and like I think it means like, how's your meat pie? Like, how, how, how's your pie? <laughs> like, pie's good and well. And then it's taken on a meaning of, you know, like, how you going? Like, yeah, good. But I think I kind of made that more – Myself made it more into how you're going as opposed to I think it literally is like how's your pie? Oh so it's a cross-pollination hybrid, it's not a real Australian term. (laughs) Because when I met every Australian, I'd be like traveling, I'd be like, Oh, how's your pie? And be like, love my chicken curry pie, mate. You know, (laughs)
2: like I'd be like, Don't you get it? Don't you get it? (laughs) Okay, all right, okay. That's I just learned something today. I thought that really was a genuine Australian. Expression idiom. I thought it was an idiom. <laughs> uh, all right? It's uh yeah, all right. What's uh okay, so when I was listening to Derek Hine tell the story of his hmm. losing his eye, um, yeah. and then waking up in the hospital and he was getting a pash from the nurse, yeah. And afterwards I went and asked a lot of British friends, what exactly is a pash? Because I thought Whoa, the way he made it sound like she was giving him a wank, but that's not what it is. It's a you kiss. Know what a, it's a kiss. Yeah, yes. a snog. A snog. Ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. <laughs> What's a what snog? Is, what is a kiss?
0: <laughs> Alex, I'll take 500 Australianisms. I'll take Australianisms for 500. <laughs> okay. Have you got one from me? of an australianism
2: i've got Um, a list here i'm sure you just go down the list and see yeah yeah go down down, i'll just i'll go down the list all All right right. all right what does bonzer mean uh like kind of
0: out there crazy kind of bonzer going going nuts no it means
2: really cool wonderful
0: oh and
2: that's why you know you know how the story about how the campbell brothers uh came up with the name bonzer tell me ah I thought you knew this. So <laughs> when they came up you know with the bonzo design the fin design which was not just a fin design it's a it's a way of being and um it is. I I'd really like to surf a bonzo but I've only had one wave on a bonzo ever so I can't really say I know what it's like. Anyway, they were obsessed with the Australians and the Australian yeah. way of surfing that they were they had big Aussie crushes and they wanted to surf like they saw them surfing in Morning of the Earth. And their dad, when they were trying to come up with a name, the dad said, well why don't we, you know, you guys love Australia so much, let's get, you know, let's pick an Australian word. And they went and they found Bonzo and it means just like great, you know, wonderful. Great. Oh. All right. right. There's our okay. history lesson for the day. Um this one I remember when i started surfing it was probably more common and it was in a it was in a translation article Mm -hmm. (laughs) that i read uh to to go tropo oh yeah it's like going kind of going
0: kind of insane going out there and like uh off the edge a little bit
2: there you go yeah Yeah. quite a few like if someone had gone away traveling just went a bit crazy i'm like gone tropo uh this one politically incorrect term, I know Jed Smith <laughs> uses it ironically quite a bit. A bogan. it's a uh, kind of like what we would call a
0: redneck, almost like That's, kind of backcountry. Yep. yep. Hick. Uh, uh Huey. Oh well, it's the Australian surf god, of course. Yes, it's what they call the it's ocean. A, yeah, Huey. It's a Huey to pick up the swell, mate. Oh. <laughs> to oh. make a. Gotta make a sacrifice to Huey.
2: <laughs> uh well, I think I'll end on this good one. What is uh spitting the winkle?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, why did I forget this cuz that's from something too that we watched. Oh my gosh. Um
2: going to take a piss. No, it's no. it's pretty horrible actually. It's Oh. And I I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think so well the way it ends I'm, I'm trying I'm not I, I have it over there it's just like, ending with checks. Bob's your
0: uncle but no
2: <laughs> no it's uh, it, I'm not sure exactly how you get this to be caused to happen but basically you, you end up pulling your, your pants down and bending over like you're mooning someone and you basically just squirt out your ass in a big arc <laughs> And I don't know if it's diarrhea or if you do a bit of an enema first. I don't know what, uh, well, I would imagine
0: someone... an enema, you know, because otherwise, you know, it can it's too uh irregular, you know, you can't predict it, but an enema you can kind of predict when it's going to happen at least,
2: true. But I think it could be a bit more exciting and fun and special if it's if it's unpredicted, <laughs> you know, like a good swell.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's let's talk for
2: a sec. about
0: <laughs> something that's, else.
2: Detour. <laughs> are you sure you don't want to go down this <laughs> path any further?
0: <laughs> I made a style tree for this. Of style influence. tree. Yeah. Is like an influence of styles. Um. Ooh. So I have like a few, and like these are, you know, a mix of things like, you know, Michael Peter. Here, here's like the complete. Phil Edwards plus George Greeno gives influence to Bob McTavish, which gives influence to Nat Young, which gives influence to Wayne Lynch, which gives influence or semi-influence, maybe to Drune, maybe. I don't know if I include him in there. And then which gives influence to Michael Peterson, who influenced Rabbit, who influenced Curran, who influenced Slater, who influenced the world.
2: Okay, I now I have I can reference. I have actual memory of evidence why it's missing. It's it's a I know little this bit incorrect. Is I was
0: coming through this, and I'm like, I know there's some missing people, and I don't know why
2: and who and, I'm missing here. Okay, so I'll I'll reference what I remember. Um, let me think for a minute. So I mean, it starts back a little bit further, I suppose, with with Rabbit Kekai, of course, influ- influencing. Um, uh, Matt Kivlin and Joe Quig, because that was from
0: Surfer Magazine with Derek Hind and Surfer Magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. The, the father of style is Rabbi Kikai, basically.
2: Yeah, because they because they went over to Hawaii and they saw him actually hot dogging, you know, exactly. doing turns, and that made them you know, make their boards you know sh- shorter and you know narrower to turn, and then um Mickey Dora copy yeah. uh, he was heavily influenced by joe quick uh, not by joe quick by mac kivlin um and also his his stepdad you know guard chapin and guard chapin was was also one That's of the so first perfect. surfers to to really like cut back and go all over the place and perhaps he may have been influenced by les birdman williams who's you know, quite often regarded as the first person to really cut back um and then <laughs> see you have to be american to to, to be so serious <laughs> so about all this serious. stuff god so okay anyway so yeah, okay but I, so that's just all that stuff to and then Dora, um, to ch- and, yeah and, to Dora. and, and also you, you'd have to say that matt Kivlin was heavily influenced by impressing the girls on the beach i mean he was a bit <laughs> of a stud and it was very important to look good when you're surfing malibu and so then Mickey Dora was a heavy influence on Phil Edwards because they have that, I mean, you want to talk about legendary stories or myths or something, but it's actually true is when, when they were teenagers and, and Mickey Dora was a few years older than Phil Edwards, they were, were both camping out for the summer in San Onofre. And the two of them noticed waves breaking, you know, in the distance at lower trestles and they headed up there and they had lower trestles to themselves all summer while the two of them just surfed together and pushed each other to just one up each other. And it was like, they were just jamming every day. And the two of them got really good that summer. And Phil Edwards says Mickey Dora was like his hero at the time. Anyway, then, Mickey Dora, I mean, Phil Edwards was such a heavy influence on Midget Fairley, And Midget Fairley though, didn't really have access to films of him, but saw lots of pictures and photos of mm-hmm. him and, and really tried, you know, modeled his style and approach on Phil Edwards. Then Nat Young was obviously, was heavily influenced by Midget Fairley because Midget Fairley was a few years old and he really tried to copy his style a lot. And then a couple of things happened. One, Bob McTavish said, hey, mate, you know, uh, two trains on the same track, the back train can't overtake the front train. You got to start to develop your own style. And then they, when they went to Hawaii, uh, Nat Young met Phil Edwards and actually saw the source himself surfing. And so that was a big influence. Also an influence on him was uh, Mike Doyle and also Joey Cabell. And then you have to say that we know that Nat Young was <laughs> the main influence on Michael Peterson. Michael yeah. Peterson had a whole wall of pictures of Nat Young and your rabbit talks about, Bartholomew talks about how the two of them before going surfing would put on <coughs> deep purple, have a couple balls of muesli and sit down in front of the wall of Nat Young psyching up before going out. Uh, it's so wholesome sounding, you know? I know. <laughs> and and then and then you know so uh now Peter Druin I think he has said that one of his main style influences was Mickey Dora and I know Rabbit had said that Mickey Dora and Peter Druin were like two of his heavy influences as well as David Bowie Hmm. and Muhammad Ali and um, (laughs) uh, now I don't know where mark richards got his influence from i don't really know where sean thompson got his influence from but i know that uh tom curran (coughs) has been quoted as saying that rabbit mr michael peterson those guys were heavy influences on his on his style um and then and then it it all flows from there i mean afterwards Nobody has style anyway. So That's crazy. a pretty fucking complete style tree. Okay. Sorry about that. No, I kind of hogged that a little no, bit. I, no,
0: I, though, I I could have sat listening to more, to be honest. Like that, that was, that was really nicely done. Cause I was going through it and I'm like, I feel like I'm missing, you know, it was a simplified version that I that had come up. I didn't go as detailed and I didn't mind map it, you know, which would have helped.
2: But it, um, it, what, what's interesting because so, like, I know, um, Jeffrey Klaus's dad, Billy Klaus, you know, yeah. uh, so our family friend, friend for friends. our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I remember like in the 80s, he said he was watching us watch Gary Elkerton surfing and he said, that's just, uh, you know, Michael Peterson on a shorter board or that's Phil Edwards on a short board right there. You know, watch those guys and you'll see. And it's true when you watch mm. Kong, you know, he, he's doing very similar a lot of stuff is similar to Michael Peterson, but I don't know how much of an influence Michael Peterson would have been on Kong. Cause Kong was off on a, a sail on a, on a fishing boat, you know, like, and the same oh, yeah, thing I with Aki, that. like Aki's style is really unique. unusual, unique and original. And I mean, you, I suppose you could compare him to Tom Carroll and you can compare him to Cole Smith perhaps, but it's hard to know where Aki's stuck. And I've listened to a few interviews with him where he's not even sure where his influence came from. Yeah, no, he never, he doesn't even mention like any like favorite surfers or surfers
0: he looked up to even. Any interview I've ever heard, like you very rarely hear hear him talk about being a grommet and really, you know, except for like in the Aki book or whatever, you know, he's surfing Cronulla with some of the locals or whatever. But um, it's really... He does not really cite any major stylistic influence. And um, yet
2: his technique was
0: meticulously. It's, it's unusual. Perfect. And it's unusual. Like current, I mean, Slater even says, like, it's one of the most perfect uh styles, you know, backhand particularly. You know, is he just how he shifts his weight and everything is so different than a lot of people. Um, yeah, I don't know where Aki's style. You think Jim Banks could be an influence?
2: Terry Richardson, maybe? Like I mean, they were goofy fits from the area, but yeah. they don't quite look like him. And and then afterwards it was hard to find Aki's influence. I mean, you saw it in Luke Egan a bit. Yeah. And and now there's been like a time warp, and you see it on Caroline Marks, you know, like yes. that's like like really similar, just the way she like twists her upper body and hold that, you know, back arm. But becomes the front arm and just lay into it. It's like Mick bit Lowe, of a time Low would be would fill that gap. Oh yeah, yeah, there. yeah. He would be yeah. someone that you could put into
0: that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's Aki's style is so unique. Um, not even his kids surf like him. You know, his kids don't. Mm. You, you know, you see his kids surf; they don't look, to me at least, don't look like. Uh, no, no, Aki. they don't look like Aki. What is interesting. I was watching uh, Parker Coffin's in- Instagram, and he had clip of Curran surfing in Litmus on the single fin, uh, and uh, it's reversed, and he's surfing I've seen goofy that. foot. Yeah. and he's like, "It's remarkable. He looks just like Aki." And I was watching. I'm like, hey, "There was some. There's. You could mm. see there's certain core elements to it. Throwing much pieces. more flair. Yeah, much more flair yeah. with Curran. You know." <laughs> I was watching Free Scrubber yesterday, last night again. By the way, mm. oh, so good. Um, that was that was like my 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 tree, my little style tree that mm. I, I I kind of figured out. I, I'd be curious to see like a board tree uh, of influence, also uh, like kind of the influences of Australian shaping and and back and forth on on U.S. shapers. We didn't go too
2: deep into that. I mean, we did we touched on McTavish and Brewer. Uh, well, I mean the thing is it's it's not necessarily a, a time to just talk about Australian culture and stuff. It's kind yeah. of the relationship and our feelings yeah. about yeah. it, you know.
0: And it's like some of my best mates are Australian and the the humor and the there's there's something, I don't know, there's something about God, we sound like so such weirdos. I think <laughs> <laughs> why? What are you about to say? Well, there's just something about Australians I just get along with. For some reason, I just feel like I get along with Australians easier than Americans. You know, it's just, and I've befriended a lot of Australians here in New York, you know, and you know, and i've I've always been kind of grabbed you know my friendships have gravitated towards that. like, so it's it's funny. like, yeah, I don't know. And I've always still like love anything Australian and Australian movies and. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely an Aussieophile,
2: and I love. to right, Too right, mate. Hello. oath. Uh, energizer, oi. <laughs> so, like, I feel like I want to give you, like, like a sentence or something to say, and see, can you talk Australian? How to speak Australian? <laughs> How to speak Australian?
0: <laughs> Salad. Oh yeah, mate. Yeah, right. I'm doing it really bad right now. Sorry, <laughs> butchering, butchering the accent. Uh, here, here's here's a really fun. No, I'm not going to use that. Actually, I was going to oh, say a joke that is oh yeah not okay. Yeah. Afterwards,
2: uh, yeah. People <laughs> can pay extra for the premium subscription and get uh, all the uh, outtakes that are not
0: cool. But you know, it's um, what's interesting is still competitively um you know doesn't feel like there's as much a rivalry with australia and america anymore especially now with brazil uh becoming like the dominant kind of surf nation nation it's interesting like it feels like the two countries have kind of you know we're still competitive don't get me wrong but it doesn't it doesn't feel as nationalistic as it used to Hmm. um even though we have the surfing in the Olympics and maybe it'll will it'll feel more like that but it just doesn't feel like there's that rivalry uh, that used to be there. I mean even in the 90s when the the Americans the Seppos, oh, there here's a great term Seppo. How have we not even talked about that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know the-, the 90s with the Sepo movement, you know, uh, basically Slater and Momentum Generation dominated and then you had Sarge uh, get all the Aussies because the Australians were, were were losing and not doing well on the tour and so Sarge formed that group, the LMB group uh, which standed for something out like they gave it some altruistic name but really it meant lick my balls <laughs> you could try to dress it up however you want guys but we know the true meaning of
2: your LMB group back in the 90s Um <laughs> I but, guess that's uh, a thing. Back then, you, you, other countries didn't really have as many um, surfing. hadn't uh, developed, in 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 as far as the sport goes on a competitive, competitive level. level you know, of at the time, things. it was still mainly America and Hawaiians, Australians, and I mean, not even really South Africans. You know, it was. It's not to, rec but recently now, because so many other countries you know, like it's, it's ever have matured competitively. There's not so much of a two nation kind of thing. It's the, it's, I, I mean, that's the question is, or is Australian America still the two superpowers of surfing?
0: I think Australia still, still is, even though they, they may not have like, well, they have Jack Robinson now and Ethan Ewing are pretty good, but they're not like at their peak powers yet. And Julian Wilson is promise on.
2: on football. Oh, what about the women? I mean, you have Steph Gilmore, hey, you have, no, Tyler women, Wright,
0: you have, I'm talking uh, on the men's side at the moment right now, because Skippen's. that's where they're struggling is on the men's side. There's a little bit of a, they're, they're missing that, that top, you know, the, 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 the big boys club, you know, like, I guess like the McFanning, Joel Parkinson, you know, kind of how they dominated that side of it. <laughs> Women's side, like, Oh, gosh, are you kidding me? Tyler Wright, Steph Gilmore. There's so much, so much talent coming out of there still, too. Um, so, no, yes, absolutely. But in the men's side, it's really uh, kind of interesting seeing how those Australians, I think, are doing good. Americans are like, you have great surfers, but they're not really fulfilling uh, a lot of their promise. John John, you know, is is blind, he's a Hawaiian. yeah, technically, You know, and Chloe last year got you know, pretty close, and and Kanoa Igarashi's like he's Japanese. He or he flies on their Japanese banner, even though he grew up in, you know, Huntington Beach. So, I mean, are they still dominant? Griffin Colapinto. No, I
2: mean, I mean, I'm not even just talking competitively. I'm more talking about the actual culture. Or is Australia? It it's hard to say. I guess maybe surf surf culture is is so dispersed now. So mm. maybe. It's not as much of a need for a superpower anymore. And
0: well, it's not like, centralized, like, it's not yeah, centralized and, anymore. That's really what it is. You know, there's no centralized surf media, really, except for the WSL, you know, and yeah. that's.
2: So maybe this is, you know, this is like I don't know if the term is memoriam or or what have you. It's a a, it's to kind of an um,
0: autopsy of (laughs) no,
2: (laughs) (laughs) it it has been a bit of an autopsy, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, surfing's different now. This it's a it's it's a world culture as opposed to um, this uh, yeah the two super the two um the special relationships. So this is in uh, looking back at the time in in the era in a way. So we got to talk quickly, Seppo. All right.
0: So septic tank yank, that's the term that we are called by the Australians. And some of you might remember <clears throat> Surfer Magazine then running a, a competition in the early 90s because we were tired of being called Sepos and having this derogatory name or term of endearment uh, directed towards us. So they come up with Vicky's. Oh, that was awful. It's
2: <laughs> so bad short for like, convicts yeah yeah because it was like supposed to be short for convicts to be some way of putting them down and but that's the thing that there was a couple the things sepos evolved so organically because yeah. australian rhyming slang you know comes from cockney rhyming slang in london mm-hmm. where you know like so like a noah do you know what a noah means no it's a shark now why does noah mean shark um because it rhymes with someone
0: named Noah who got attacked by a shark, maybe. No. Or?
2: <laughs> Noah's Ark. Noah's, Noah's Ark. Ark Shark. <laughs> exactly. And uh actually Shane Horan had done a, a little explanation about Australian rhyming slang, and he said, you know, to have a like, okay, so what's what does Al Capone mean? <laughs> the phone, because Al Capone phone. <laughs> exactly. And uh <laughs> Like an Eiffel Tower. Do you know what an Eiffel Tower is? It's a shower. And um, <laughs> now you're just making shit up. <laughs> no, I'm really not making it up. <laughs> I'm going to send you a list later. And uh, so, like the Australian rhyming saying, you know, septic tank yank, beep. but why would they call us the septic tanks? Well, I, because for the shit. <laughs> <laughs> because we're full of shit. Full of shit exactly. Americans are full of shit, so it was perfect. You know, a septic <laughs> tank is full of shit, and uh, it was. It, and that's the thing; it just evolved so organically, and it was multi-layered and complex and uh, clever, uh, clever. And it just—it's not. I think uh, Americans shouldn't try to do that. That's not our thing. We have other things to do, and we—we're not going to be a, a rude and a, a jovial. Kind of way like that. It's it's not our thing. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have other great things, you know. <laughs> we have great so, comedy, but yeah.
0: that's true. So, James, I think you know what time it is. It's time for stump, stump, my, my bro. bro. So we're gonna do it a little differently this
2: time. Well, you're gonna do it differently. I'm gonna do it a think? little differently. All right. Yes.
0: So okay who wants to go first
2: <laughs> well you you go i've i've got two possible i've got two ones here so or, or i could do one and then you could do one and then i can okay one. Yeah. let's do one yeah i got two because right, i think these are these are important you know these yeah. ones right here um and it even if you know it right away, maybe put your hand up to prove to me that you've guessed it quickly and that you're clever and knowledgeable, (laughs) but maybe don't into, but I'll give the whole thing so that anyone playing at home can. (laughs) Yes. Enjoy it.
0: Yes. (laughs) You too can play at home. Stump my bro, the home version game.
2: (laughs) Brought to to you by Milton Bradley. I thought you were going to drop our new sponsor's name Is Milton Bradley our sponsor? No. Hasbro. Hasbro is our sponsor. (laughs) So which Australian surfer in 1963 was deported from America? Um, And I'll give you a little little bit more background information. This Australian surfer is deported from America. It's actually... Uh, The American federal government actually paid for their flight to go all the way back as a sign of goodwill, but they did have to deport them. Uh, They'd been on the North Shore of Oahu for five weeks. Uh, They had a job painting the late great photographer Val Valentin's house at Sunset, you know, who uh, Val's Mm -hmm. Reef is named after. Uh, He uh, very um, perhaps disrespectfully describes Sunset as... um, a piece of cake and most of the big time North shore surfers as uh, relatively stiff and average, but that was due to their equipment. And uh, here's the one which might be the giveaway is that the reason they were deported is because they didn't enter legally. They had actually traveled as a stowaway on a ship. And this is like a real famous Australian surfer. It's a famous, I mean, a famous Australian story and it's a famous Australian (sighs) surfer as well. Why does it sound like McTavish to me? Because it is. got it, Bob McTavish. Potentials saved. (laughs) 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 Nice one, Tyler.
0: All right. So this one's going to be a little different for our listeners. I am going to be thinking of something, and Jamie has to guess it, and it's surf-related. I'll start with a hint on it. I am thinking of a surfer. Who is this surfer? And Jamie has to try to do this under, uh, you know, a certain reasonable amount of guesses here. Are they Australian?
2: Yes. Keeping with theme of today. Is it a male? Yes. Has he always been a male? Yes. Okay. So it's not Peter Druin. No. Um... (laughs) Now, I... I'd love to. I'd love to just see if I can just get it without asking any questions. But that might be a bit boring to listen to. Yeah. Um, so this surfer, yeah. um, uh, it, are they still alive? No. Okay. Um, uh, if they had been alive, would they be older than sixty? Yes. Would they be older than seventy? I think so. Okay. Um, did this surfer live past 30?
0: Yes. Okay.
2: Did this surfer live past 40? Yes. Did this surfer live past 50? Yes. Okay. Okay. So there wasn't uh, like uh, Bobby Brown or Kevin no. Brennan or anything like that. No. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, was this surfer um, like ever like considered the best in Australia?
0: No. Okay.
2: Um was this surfer um uh, ever like a top com- still like a significant competitive surfer? No. Oh. Was this surfer um a publisher of surf magazines? No. Was th- okay, hang on a second then. Um so okay, so like a, a baby boomer surfer. It was not a top surfer? Was the surfer a surfboard a shaper? Yes. Uh, was the surfer uh Gordon Woods? No. Uh, no, okay. Was um was Want me to give you a hint? Okay.
0: Okay. Uh Archetypal backslapping hard drinking surfy of the nineteen fifties and
2: sixties. Jack Bluey Maze? No. Or... Yeah. Back-slapping of the 50s and 60s. Yep. Surfboard oh. shaper. A Joe Larkin?
0: Yes, you got ah, it.
2: Okay, all right. Nice one. P- pretty oh, recent pretty i mean he's definitely would have been in his yeah, 70s yeah 90s. he
0: recently yeah. in 2017
2: i believe it was uh, he right and like uh terry fitzgerald shaped for him and, everyone uh, did everyone, uh, everyone got shaped for him he and was he a real was, cool guy like he wasn't he everyone wasn't a, a hippie or cutting edge but he allowed them all just to to kind of do their crazy thing you know yeah real partier and
0: hard drinker and John Schultz got to hang out with him, a friend of ours. I uh, got to hang out with him, you know, a few years ago when he was visiting uh, Kidman down there and just said he was like the best. And he did come through New York, actually, too. What for? Uh, uh, I think just a tour, you know, just doing like a some sort of tour. I think uh, Chris Gentile from Pilgrim invited him or something and He was coming through and like they did like a whole thing with him at Pilgrim. So oh, that's nice. pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. So that was
2: that was one of my questions. Uh, oh, well, I'll do one and then you do one. Then Okay, all right. We'll do a bit of back and forth. Oh, yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, what does that
0: mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, by, so, way, uh, by the way, we were, when we were talking about the Aussie humor, We I can't believe we didn't mention Mad Wax, by the way. Mad Wax. How great. about this, real quickly, just to add on to our topic, let's just talk about real quickly. Australians gave us like kind of the surf industry, quick, billabong, rip curl, the big three. Australia gave us those companies. Fucking mm-hmm. like for how many years? No one's, no one compared to those guys really, other than Gotcha really
2: and Hurley. Yeah. But Hurley was uh, a OP, billabong. Yeah. Maybe and, OP? Uh, OP. Well, and OP blew it. You know, he yeah. Could have, could have been, uh, those guys and it yeah. wasn't you know so so had to had to
0: bring had to mention that uh, i can't believe they're, they're, by the way all the listeners are gonna be like how did you miss this how could you miss this no this we missed much. i mean like okay, <laughs> so what, what were your
2: what what are your favorite australian surf comics you know oh gosh i mean
0: uh, gonad man would be for me the sentimental yeah, mark favorite. sutherland's, mark gonad sutherland's man. so good And uh Captain Good Vibes. Captain Good Vibes is pretty good. Although I I still, you know, Wilbur Kuchmeyer was a great American comic.
2: A great American. Right. That's a very American kind of uh a thing. A lot of American jokes and in in things right there. Yeah. What's uh yeah, and 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 interesting, like tracks magazine when it was in its heyday, was so Different from all other surf magazines. And that's another thing. Rolling
0: Stone, heavily influenced by Rolling Stone and the whole wide world, whole wide, whole earth catalog.
2: Yeah. And it was on paper, it was newsprint. Yeah. um, It's like when I ordered that 1980, the (laughs) Tracks magazine, when Tom Kern won the world title for the first paper. time. I was so excited. And then I got his paper and I was so let down by it. <laughs> uh, I thought it was like a real beefy magazine. and But it was, it was very interesting and very, uh, very different from a normal. It was like ESM, but mm-hmm. like really irrelevant and raunchy. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. uncomfortably raunchy. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, you read it now and it's like, oh God, it was... In the '80s, it, it 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 stepped over into an area of uh, <laughs> cancel culture, like where it <laughs> needs to be. Canceled, anyway, uh, yeah, my other one was also another historical kind of one, um, just because I think it's good to acknowledge, not forget these people. Um, the three-time Australian surf champ in the 1920s, often referred to as the father of Australian surfing won the 26 world titles i'll do the whole thing just so you can hear it all
1: Um,
2: with with a handstand and he wrote it all the way up onto the stand and stayed in the position and then finally the judge came down and tapped him on his back of his leg or something and said yeah yeah mate you won (laughs) and um and he, he was kind of i i think drew campion described him a bit like a woody guthrie in the way that like nat young you know when when this this when this guy was dying in hospital nat young would visit him in the hospital in the way that bob dylan would visit woody guthrie in hospital and i know when i first started surfing he was hmm. still alive and he was he was still like you know, like i knew about him right away and in the Aus- history of australian surfing snowy McKill. oh sorry and oh just... yeah. well anyway he he was interviewed and he's actually on the eos website there's a great a uh, little bit of that interview on there as well, and yes, Tyler, who is it? No, is it Snowy McAllister? That's right. Charles oh my God, Snowy I can't McAllister. believe I got it. Oh,
0: it's <laughs> good. Two Ooh. for two. Yeah. All right, here's mine. Uh, it's a similar similar type of thing. I'm thinking of
2: a surfer. Who is this surfer? Is it Australian? Nope. It's American? is it male or female male male surfer uh god i mean it just uh, quickly like the, the the age you know like okay 60s a lot
0: is, it, is, is, their
2: is in their 60s right now no,
0: no 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 they their jet their prime spot were the 60s okay
2: Probably. were they They're from the people. california or the east coast california california and i'm trying to think like did, did you choose this surfer because they have something to do with the australian american cross-pollination maybe well that's like
0: yeah. <laughs> yes oh, they did
2: by me saying maybe was the giveaway already <laughs> All right. well no like immediately yeah. i'm going to tell you the surfers that come to my mind when yeah. i think of that um I, I think of bob cooper who went Boom. over there Ding ding ding! Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so Bob Cooper. I mean, tell, you, tell us what what were your other clues going to be with uh, Bob Cooper?
0: No, I mean he's a cheerful, free thinking, regular foot surfer originally from Southern California, popular throughout the '60s, regarded as the original surfing beatnik. He's lauded for his Mount Everest beard, radical sandals, spectacular shirts, and tunic of a thousand colors, as well as his ability to remain composed and totally unaffected even at the most radical parties. And he's a devout. Are you just
2: reading off of something? I am
0: just reading because I had the information. Tell me what you know about Bob Cooper. I'm giving context for him. Well, well, Bob, Bob Cooper. What was interesting about him was he wasn't the best surfer. You know, he wasn't even that, you know, like he was a good, he was capable
2: surfer, wasn't no. Oh, I don't know. I read that he was actually really shit hot in small waves, like that he was actually But top he world wasn't class. particularly,
0: well, from the articles I read on EOS even and in his profile even they talk about how he wasn't like the best, you know. He was a good surfer, but he was known more for like his personality, his beard, like his whole kind of demeanor for being him. He, was, he made even he made a comment like, I'm famous for being famous. You know, that was that was kind of his M.O. Then he moved to Australia, opened a surf shop in Coffs Harbor, ran that for 30 plus years, um, you know, and lived a pretty quiet life. You know, Did, didn't seem like he didn't do anything too crazy or too grand after the 60s, just ran a surf shop and kind of seemed to have lived a pretty idyllic life, it seemed. What it's...
2: monumental surf competition did he judge um, pipe mass no why? I, I he judged know. the 77 stubbies, uh, with the the first man on man, oh, Michael Peterson one. He was a judge there. I didn't know that. And, and here's and, another one. What, wait, wait, wait. What? I gotta
0: finish here because oh, there's yeah. one thing that was funny about him, and what has always stood out for me is that article in Surfer magazine, in the late 80s, where it said Bob Cooper alive and well. <laughs> it was just like this article catching up with him, and it just I just feel like it'd be so weird to have uh, like an article Tyler Brewer alive and well. <laughs> Wait, why? <laughs> why? Why did they? Why would I feel weird? No, about? why? Yeah, what? What's the weird part? Well, it's like just saying like, "Oh, you faded from obscurity." Oh, no, he's not dead. He's alive and well. <laughs> oh, I know?
2: see. It's kind of like people well, what was funny is that Bob Cooper at, at that time was probably younger than R-H. you are now. I you know. know? <laughs>
0: Tyler Brewer alive and well, not dead. <laughs> and
2: uh all right, who wrote that article?
0: Uh, Matt Warshaw. I think
2: it Derek I think. Oh really? Oh, maybe it was Matt Warshaw. I mean, it was know, Derek or Matt. He has one of those two there. <laughs> and what was the name of the um so the, the he didn't actually create the first prototype for this, but he then ended up, I think, shaping. This model, it was a, a John Peck's model, a surfboard. Oh, I, ah, I know what it is, and it was a very rude name. Like, I don't
0: know the rude name, but I know it was one of the first asymmetrical boards. He had like one of Bob Cooper had
2: one of the first asymmetrical models. Well, well, what it was was they had the um, the stringer was offset so that the fin wasn't digging into the stringer actually, uh-huh. and uh, but it was it was called the penetrator. Oh, yes. Which, which is great because Bob Cooper, you know, was famous, you know, a Mormon and, you know, didn't have premarital sex and, uh, but he he heartily enjoyed shaping the penetrator. I think we have to end on that one.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, that has been the Sunday joint, uh, the uh, adjacent surf podcast, the Encyclopedia of Surfing. Uh, and it is a Surf Splendor podcast. And Jamie, uh, that was fun. It was a long one, too.
2: And um, gosh. And this was a, a bit of a new thing for us, because this one wasn't based on an actual Sunday joint. This was just stuff we'd found in the, um, in the encyclopedia. Well, the thing is, it's all the Sunday joints are littered with Australian culture
0: and Australian surf. So we might as well just make a whole thing about it. And it's one of our f- favorite topics. So... We hope all of you listeners enjoyed, and we will catch you next time.
1: Don't change me. Don't change you. Don't change.